Good afternoon and have a happy Thanksgiving. Today, the daily objective is recorded because our hosts are busy celebrating. But because we didn't want to leave you without an episode, I thought I would do a short solo pre-recorded episode on the issue of Thanksgiving and on the issue of what is the history and the mindset and the psychology of the grumpy people who don't appreciate not necessarily Thanksgiving, but what follows Thanksgiving, which is Black Friday, or this, what they call the consumerist frenzy after Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, according to Ayn Rand, was, is a celebration, and it's a quote that she gave, a very beautiful quote, a celebration of successful production. That's why she called it the producer's holiday. And then she says, it's the lavish meal is a symbol of the fact that the abundant consumption is the result and reward of production. End of quote. So this is the beautiful thing with Thanksgiving, that you reflect on what has gone on through the previous months of the productive, of the, of the year, of the season, so to speak. And in a way, you tell yourself, good work. I mean, hopefully you've done good work and you celebrate this. And this is why Thanksgiving has been a celebration that with different names and with different forms have been around from ancient times. So the ancient Romans, the ancient Greeks had this winter, like end of season celebrations. But of course, this is also the time of the year where you all know that person, this edgy and this supposedly radical and this supposedly very anti-conformist and very unique and not one of the many people will start giving you a lecture about, well, yes, but with consumerism, we lose the meaning of these holidays. I mean, it's the same trope that we hear every Christmas that this materialism takes away the, takes away the true meaning of Christmas. So that person thinks, again, that they're very, very radical. They've probably watched Fight Club and they've seen that famous scene where Tyler Durden gives this speech where he says, we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Or this other uh, quote by Tyler Durden where he says, the things you own end up owning you. And then that person gets this this expression of, yeah, I said something very, very meaningful. I'm, I'm very, very radical that I thought this. So where do these ideas of that radical, quote, radical friend that we all have who can't just shut up about how consumerism takes away the meaning of all the otherwise meaningful celebration, where do these ideas uh, come from? First of all, notice that is something very interesting that Anti-consumerism has become such a trend that, as an author said some years ago, if you go in a bookstore, there's a, there's a huge shelf with anti-consumerist books. So it's, it's become almost a consumerist product, the anti-consumerist products. And of course, as you probably know, if you want to be edgy and anti-consumerist, you also need to have the relevant gadgets that are not the same as everyone else. So being an anti-consumerist tends to be an expensive, uh, an expensive hobby. 
and the market is quite uh, is quite flooded. But let's see how progressive and new these ideas actually are. So again, our anti-consumerist friend, he thinks that he has come up with something very innovative and something very cut of the edge, cutting edge ideas. So I'm going to read you a quote and I want you to guess who said it and when. Who said it and when? Quote, everywhere may be seen carousels and well-laden tables. Luxurious abundance is found in the houses of the rich, but also in the houses of the poor. Better food than usual is put upon the table. The impulse to spend seizes everyone. He who the whole year through has taken pleasure in saving and piling up his pens becomes suddenly extravagant, end of quote. This could be an article in The Guardian by George Mombio. <laughs> but actually it's not. It's the Greek philosopher Libanius and it's from the fourth century after Christ. So, so my anti-consumerist friends, who you think you're so radical, you think your ideas and you think you being annoying, reminding everyone how materialistic they are, your ideas go back to that time. So already from then, already from then, there were some people who said, we, we live beyond our means. We do extravagances, particularly this period where uh, with the season festivities, everyone is more extravagant. And there was a very interesting research by a journalist who and who's also kind of a historian, Francis Wynne, some years ago. And he goes back to the medieval days and he brings many examples of, quote, blasphemous events where there would be these, uh, these markets and these uh, festivities around a bit before Christmas, around that time. And how for the church and particularly for the Puritans, this was something that was completely unacceptable. This was something that was very, to use a term that our anti-consumerist friend probably used, problematic. And he also brings the case the, and the example of the Christmas of 1644, which was literally cancelled because, again, the powers that be that time thought that it's a very, that we've become way too materialistic and that this, this takes away the true spirit of Christmas. So, again, congratulations, our anti-consumerist friend. You have the same ideas with the powers to be at the time of, uh, of Cromwell. And why is it that many Protestants did not like Christmas and the celebrations before Christmas and this idea of what today we call Black Friday, this, this, this uh, outburst of celebrating and of buying stuff and uh, enjoying material goods. And of course, if you know anything about the church, it's very clear why the church would deal with these things with suspicion. So A, they were not in, uh, in the Bible. Two, they said that they have, become, they have become this excuse for debauchery. They have become this excuse to, 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 to engage in the carnal pleasures. And of course, the church does not like it. And of course, turns out our progressive leftist, uh, very radical friend does not like these things as well.
Now, the interesting thing is that for the left, anti-consumerism is a relatively new trend. So the conservative mindset behind it is not new, but the left for a lot of time presented itself as a champion of the average Joe, enjoying what the productive basis of society, as they would put it, has to offer. So the problem was that these things are not available to everyone, but they like this idea of having access to, uh, to consumer goods. Leon Trotsky, actually, uh, I think in Revolution Betrayed, one of his most famous works, Trotsky, the Russian revolutionary who then was expelled by Stalin and persecuted and killed by an agent of Stalin. So Trotsky said that if socialism needs to be a success, that every Soviet citizen needs to have a car, a private car. And he says this around the late 30s, early 40s. And again, the equivalent today would be every citizen should have a flying helicopter, uh, sorry, a flying car or, or a helicopter or something. So for reasons that I've explained in previous, uh, in previous solo episodes and particularly on the one on uh, uh, progressives against progress, I think something, something like that, or on my book on the new left, I have explained the transition of the left towards this growth skepticism and towards this skepticism toward consumerism. It starts, it, it takes, it takes a momentum, it gets momentum, it doesn't start, but it gets momentum, mostly in the 60s with the Frankfurt School, where they say that this mass culture, this culture which is based on consumption, is taking away the revolutionary edge from the worker. And Marcuse has this very famous phrase that I, I think I've quoted in both of my books, is that when the worker and the boss read the same newspaper, perhaps even drive the same car, they go and have fun in the same places, then it's, it's difficult for the worker to understand his, uh, his, uh, his oppression. So as you realize, the, leftist intellect, the new leftist intellectual, they want to see the worker as properly as the worker should be, which means knowing his or her place. And anything else is problematic. So the idea then is that consumption makes, makes us being alienated. And the question is alienated from what exactly? Well, from our true nature, again, the Marxist would say. And what is this true nature, you would ask? To use blank to use Rand's term, blank. You won't get you won't get an answer. Shout out to Nathaniel's Brandon essay, by the way, alienation, which uh, I think it's 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 in one of the I don't remember if it's in the verge of selfness. I think it's in the verge of selfness uh, or capitalism, their known ideal. But it's a critique to this idea of alienation, and it's one of Brandon's best essays at the time where he was part of uh, Rand Circle and uh, where he still uh, considered himself an objectivist. So, and as the decades passed, particularly during the 90s, anti-consumerism becomes very, very central in the, in the narrative of the left. It is the time of the so-called anti-globalization movement, where again, the idea is that this materialism of 
the, of the capitalist center is expanding to the perimeter, is expanding to the developing world. Put differently, prosperity is expanding to the developing world, but yeah, they don't. And, and this is something which is, again, uh, is, is, is a cause for trouble and is a cause for concern for the anti-consumerist leftist. By the way, you might ask, how do you know so deeply the psychology of the anti-consumerist leftist? Well, there was a time that I was one. And I remember particularly, it was the Christmas of 99 to 2000, 99 to 2000, the millennium. Uh, Christmas. And we were in a beautiful, in the mountains in Greece, in a beautiful chalet. But I was an anti-consumer. So I, I remember my revolt was every day I was wearing just a, a red sweater. I was like Bobby Knight, you know, the, the college basketball coach. I, I was, I was, I was like Bobby Knight. So I was like, look, yes, I'm, I'm in the luxury, but uh, I, I wear, I'm, I'm poor in terms of my, I wear only clothes that poor people would wear. And this gave me in my in my conscience gave me points that yeah you you are not one of these people who you know celebrate in expensive places and have given up because most of my of the people in the family surrounding were former leftists who now had made money and they were enjoying life and enjoying life was something that you know didn't didn't vibe very well with me so in the 90s and uh, early 2000s, uh, again, anti-consumers becomes a rallying cry for the left. And uh, a key reading, if you have the courage to go through it, is Naomi Klein's uh, No Logo. Actually, courage is not the right word. If you have the stomach to go through it. So this became something like the Bible of the anti-consumerist, anti-globalization movement. And again, the idea was that big uh, multinational corporations have uh, are pushing these consumers down the throat also of uh, of uh, not only the poor people here in the west but also now in the developing world and that consumerism makes us obedient miserable and then in the last 20 years the new twist was that it also makes us stressed and it could even be a mental health concern because again you see people having a lot of stuff and because of course you haven't got self-esteem and because of course you're not a first-hander you see how oh, other people do it now i want it as well so apparently the problem here is not that you haven't got your own values your own goals and <laughs> you want what other people want no the problem is consumerism anyway And of course, the latest, uh, the latest trend to put consumerism in a new framework is environmentalism. So quite often in the last years in Black Friday, you will hear that the problem is that all this has a large and all this consumption has a large environmental impact, which is true as every value pursuit in or most values pursuit in one way or other do have. But of course, then the problem is with the value pursuits, they would say. Now, notice the elitism, the elitism of the arguments of anti-consumerism. Usually, it's, it focuses on these other people. It's the masses. It's the many 
who are the problem, who haven't got our own uh, taste. They haven't got our own refined taste. They buy from Tesco. They, so the, it's, it's anti-consumerism in a way, you will see it's almost indistinguishable from old style snobbery. Remember, it's been like that from the Middle Ages. It was this religious disdain. Oh my God, what are these masses of unwashed people doing? And still today, it is the case. That's why you'll see quite often uh, with Black Friday, you will see having videos from, uh, uh, from stores where it's mostly not rich. It's like mostly poor people who rush in and sometimes you know you see scenes the one falling on the other of course these are not nice scenes but it's like oh look this it's it's almost they see it from an anthropological perspective like look look what these people are doing like haha it's it's how pathetic and i have a personal uh, i have an experience with uh, with this so it's the year was 2014 and I think for and I was in in the house of an academic. Uh, they were hosting me for something, uh, but I, it 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 was afternoon and I was there for we're having coffee. And I remember getting up from the table and saying, "I need to leave now. Thank you very much. This was we had a nice time, but I have to go because I need to make sure I catch Primark before Primark closes because I want to buy something that my sister from Greece has ordered from Primark." So he wants me to buy some from Primark. And one of the party people there were, you're buying from Primark? I was like, why? Is there a problem? Primark is no good. Primark is really bad because did you know that Primark has all these cheap uh, t-shirts and Primark has, so the argument was that Primark has played a role in, uh, in, in flooding Africa with cheap t-shirts because also these t-shirts are made in Africa. And now people in Africa don't wear anymore their traditional dresses. So again, this, this person, and th that was a, a nice person, but in her mind, she was very progressive. In her mind, she was very radical. And her radical point was, why doesn't Africa stay the same as I want Africa to stay? Why doesn't Africa stay basically static? You know, in this small, organic, non-materialistic, non-consumerist uh, non societies. Like, why don't they comply with the dream that I have for them? It's almost neo-colonial. It's almost a neo-colonial neo-colonial fantasy. So, of course, as you would expect, any bad idea from the left is appropriated by the right. Or I would should say reappropriate because, as I said, there's something very conservative in the idea of anti-consumerism. So, for example, uh, you can. It, it's not coincidence that Tyler Durden these days, protagonist, the, the hero of Fight Club, is also the hero of now has become the hero of the reactionary right mostly. And quite often you will hear the the right talking about, uh, particularly the most again traditionalist part of the right talking about how consumerism is alienating. Uh, you've probably seen the memes uh, with the soy boys and all that stuff. And again, there is something to be said that uh, for many, many people these days, their life is lacking a, a big purpose and is lacking meaning. 
but with when you frame this as oh it's a problem of consumerism i think you throw away the baby with the dirty water and what is the the baby the dirty water is the lack of meaning but the baby is that we live in a society where all that stuff is produced and by our own production we have access to so many values to pursue we have so many things that we can get that can make our life better and quite often the things that you could say that we buy may not actually make our life richer or you might judge that but again this is a if if you think that we live in times where uh, the idea of pursuing values and of uh, finding central purpose and meaning in life is 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 something a pursuit which is which is pressing then maybe there is a point there but again this is not the frame that particularly the anti-consumerist left sees it and again with the anti-consumerist right at the very very end down the road you will notice that there's also quite often a disdain of freedom and a disdain of liberalism because again supposedly the liberal societies is making soy boys of us all and perhaps we need a challenge or we need a struggle or we need a society that is more like the societies of the past which is a society ready to go to war with men capable of doing so. Anyway, so my final thoughts is that there's something very anti-aspirational anti with anti-consumerism. There's something very much anti-achievement with anti-consumerism because not to consume or even worse, not to, or equally worse, but not to produce so as then that you can consume. There's nothing difficult in it. It's easy. It doesn't require much effort or much virtue. That's why I said that the anti-consumerist argument is not only boring, but it not only devoid of essence and of any real radicalism, but it's actually a, quite often an anti-values argument, an argument, and sometimes even a misanthropic argument. Why are all these people happy? Why don't they know their place? And again, I know because I used to be that guy. So to end on a positive note, uh, I would encourage you, if you want to see a positive, let's say, twist on what it means to, quote, indulge, what it means to spend, but to do this in a way that makes your life better and as something that is, is a symbol of the values that you have achieved. I would encourage you, and there's a minor spoiler in Atlas Rugged, so if you haven't read at least the first, if you haven't finished the first part of Atlas Rugged, close your ears. So in part two, on the chapter, The Man Who Belonged on Earth, we go through the first, stages the first month so to speak of the relationship between hank and dagny and hank is buying her some expensive gifts which is very out of character for both that, that you don't you couldn't expect that dagny is someone that would be you know spoiled by gifts nor that hank would uh, proceed in buying expensive gifts and yet they do so and their discussion on why they find value on that and the, the discussion, particularly by Hank, on how he likes to, quote, indulge in extravagances when it has to do with Dagny. I think it's a very, very nice, uh, uh, very, very nice, very, very nice.
parts of Atlas Shrugged. So a dialogue, for example, at some point says, I like giving things to you, he said, because you don't need them. No. And it's not that I want you to have them. I want you to have them from me. So there, there are some, there's some very nice dialogues there and uh, there's some very, very deep uh, thoughts on, the, on this issue. So this was today's daily objective. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, one of the very few times where the daily objective, I think maybe it was the first time, I'm not sure, is pre-recorded. And many thanks from, many thanks from everyone at the ARC again, personally from me, for the support that you've given us throughout, uh, throughout the last year. And here's to next year, this day, all of us being around, all of us being happy, cheerful, and productive. So thank you very much and bye-bye.